today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. We want to focus on uh, some very troubling news uh, out of Ukraine. 18 months into this war now, Russia's uh, military is, seems to be pounding, uh, not n- not necessarily the Ukraine soldiers, but we're talking about Ukraine cities. They've ratcheted up attacks targeting uh, port cities for the third night in a row, leaving both civilian and critical infrastructure damaged, dozens injured, at least three people dead. Global's Reggie Cicchini has the latest. A barrage of missiles rained down on southern Ukraine early Thursday, injuring 19 people in the city of Nikolaev, including five children. How long will they torture us? It's the seventh time the downtown has been targeted, this resident says. It's a question those living in the battered port city of Odessa are also asking after another unrelenting assault from long-range supersonic missiles and Iranian-made drones. Russia says this is eye for an eye, following a Ukrainian attack on a bridge to annexed Crimea, but argues non-critical infrastructure is not being targeted. It's simply a lie. The destruction of civilian infrastructure may constitute violations of international humanitarian law. Reggie Chikini, Global News. Let's uh, bring uh, Elliot Tepper into the conversation here. Elliot, of course, is an emeritus professor of political science at Carleton University who has uh, been studying, well, since day one, I guess, of this invasion of Ukraine. Uh, Elliot, great to have you back. Uh, I wish we had happier things to talk about, but this has been a a hell of a week for the citizens in these towns, isn't it? Oh, yes. Thank you, Bill. Uh, This ongoing war crime, the crime of aggression, which is a war crime, is continuing, and now we see that the uh, the port city of Odessa is being pounded, along with others across the uh, across Ukraine, as you pointed out. You have to wonder how much longer it's going to go on before there are going to be voices raised saying, "Why is Russia not paying a significant cost for this? It's not their hospitals that are being attacked; their critical infrastructure being attacked. Uh, yet they can get away with it with impunity in Ukraine." So Ukraine is paying a very, very high price for Putin's imperial ambitions and the world now as well because of the food insecurity and the weaponization of food that he's uh, engaged in uh, overnight, as we see. And let's connect some dots here, Elliot. I mean, you know, Russia is saying, uh, well, three days ago, they said there was no connection between the bridge being blown up and and what's going on here. Now they're saying it's retribution for it. So uh, you take their explanation for what it's worth. Uh, but not only that, but I mean, some of the uh, these missiles that they're firing right now are aimed directly at the grain supplies in those cities. So in other words, they, they're basically trying to starve the Ukrainian people out of, uh, you know, it, it, they're doing everything in their power to try to, 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 you know, get these people to tell their own leadership, hey, enough is enough. We can't take this anymore. Uh, yet the Ukrainians are staying steadfast here and just they're, they're angry at the Russians, certainly. Uh, but I think they're going to be looking and saying, look, at we, we <laughs> We're defenseless here. Uh, you know, what, what are we supposed to do? Yes, I think you've raised something very interesting. When is the call going to go up, enough is enough? Uh, right now, the, the Russians are counting on, as you point out, the Ukrainian citizens to say enough is enough because, as you know, during uh, lead, lead up to winter, they took out as much as they could of the power infrastructure so that Ukrainians would freeze in the dark. But um, now we have it the other way around, that the world is now recognizing the degree to which this, this massive war crime that Russia is committing is affecting a much wider swath. The weaponizing food, which is the way it's being put, by attacking Odessa, which is the main port 
And that's and tomorrow, tomorrow is the one year anniversary of the Black Sea Grain Initiative Bill. This was a deal worked out to allow very crucial grains to be uh, not just grains, but food oil as well, to be shipped out of Ukraine, as well as out of Russia. Russia got uh, something out of that deal as well. Now they are violating it by this massive attack on a civilian, a civilian port. The possibility arises this will even escalate further. We had the tiniest ripple effects of this. Our food prices are going to go up because of Russia's actions. Uh, it had gone down by 13%, I read, but now it's likely to go. It's, it's already jumped 13% on the wheat futures. But overnight, uh, the fourth night of attack on, the, on this crucial port continued. And the entire purpose of it is to, is to basically threaten the world that we have to have our way or you're going to pay a cost. China uh, is, is one of the main buyers of the grain that was coming out. You know, one out of five, I just heard a figure, one out of every five tons that got shipped out of Odessa went actually to China. But China's loss of that, and now they're saying, oh, we're going to expand our domestic production as a result. That's not going to affect the hundreds of millions in the UN Secretary General's estimate who will face starvation, particularly in the Horn of Africa, because of this uh, unilateral action by Russia. So... Is there going to be a, a NATO response to this? I, I mean, this is uh, this is it's 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 unforgivable. I, I, we all we all know that. I'm trying to think of the right adjectives here, but I think you know we we all get the intent of what's happening here. Uh, and 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 again, you've got Zelensky that's saying, "Look, at, you know, we need more weapons. We need more help. Uh, you know, we we've got to be able to defend ourselves here." But how do you defend cities in situations like this, Elliot? Particularly some the, some of the missiles that are being fired now, the Onyx missile, uh, the Oryx missile, sorry, is is uh, almost unstoppable by any any force. So, yeah, Russia is pounding its neighbor with everything they've got, uh, short of nuclear weapons, and that's still on the horizon potentially as well. The possibility exists that uh, the world is going to be losing patience with Ukraine for not making a major breakthrough after Ukraine has been pleading for the weapons that would allow them to make that breakthrough. And those weapons not yet uh, provided. They do not have the command of the air, which Ukraine points out, both NATO doctrine and American doctrine says in a war you have to have command of the air, but those F-16s aren't going to arrive until fall at the earliest. Uh, the missiles that are being knocked out of the sky by Patriots and other uh, anti-aircraft uh, devices are capturing a lot, but cannot capture the entire thrust of the sophisticated missile barrage, unending in unceasing missile barrage. The nature of the war right now, by the way, is that uh, what Ukraine is trying to do is to leap over those vast minefields and the dug-in trenches and the and the traps for for uh, mechanized weapons. They're trying to go over those behind them to attack the command and coordination the ammunition dumps, and the troops that they can reach with the weapons, particularly the shadow, uh, storm shadow missiles that are being provided by the UK and also by France. But the US has a vast supply of even longer range missiles that could reach much deeper. So the Ukrainians are doing a lot with what they have. They're making incremental guides, uh, ground gains. But what they're saying is that destruction of material is equivalent to kilometers on the ground. 
Uh, we've heard another voice, a familiar voice, uh, for all the wrong reasons, of course. Uh, Prigozhin is back. Uh, we wondered what happened to him for a while. He's been cited a number of times, actually cited in Moscow, I guess, at one point. Uh, but he has uh, he's made a public statement now saying Russia's war in Ukraine is a disgrace. Uh, once again, uh, vilifying the Russian military leadership and, and Vladimir Putin, too. And we, we by the way, should... Uh, clarify that comment. He's he's not saying it's a disgrace that the Russians are fighting in Ukraine, invaded Ukraine. Right. He's 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 saying it's a disgrace the way they're fighting. In other words, he would have done differently, and and he would have won the war a long time ago. So this is still a bad guy. Okay, even though you know he he, he is an enemy of Putin right now, he's an enemy of Ukraine at the same time. Uh, but he's not going away anytime soon. Apparently, we don't know where he's going to go. The- Right now, apparently he's in Belarus, but there's talk of him, as I suggested, uh, I think, to you a couple of weeks ago. He may possibly be sent off to Africa to look after Mr. Putin's very lucrative empire and activities in Africa. Uh, right now, we, we don't know really what's happening to Pogosian, except that he is alive. He's well. Uh, he's allowed to, allowed to wander around loose across the land. So he's still a, a factor. The Pogosian story is a juicy story, but the details of it are totally unknown to us. All we can do is speculate that, and I've been speculating that he probably has something like an insurance policy on Putin. He literally knows where the bodies are buried. He's been mm-hmm. the money, the bag man for Mr. Putin for a long time. It's hard to believe he didn't take out some um, precautions saying, you know, in case I'm ever turned against, I'll, I'll hurt you, Mr. Putin. So we don't know, except that this ruthless uh, warlord is going to continue to be a factor. Well, and there's going to be continued cries from Zelensky and others that uh, that NATO's got to step up here. And I know that you know they don't want to set one foot in there uh, because of the threats that Putin is making. Uh, but there are things going on. I mean, the the bridge that was blown up a couple of weeks ago, which Russia is saying is is the the, the provocation for what's going on now. Uh, some drone attacks in the Kremlin in the last little while. Uh, Ukraine has essentially said that we have nothing to do with that. Do you take them at their word? Because I you know you've told us before. Uh, that we know that there are insurgents within Russia that like to see Putin out of there, not necessarily fighting on behalf of Ukraine, uh, just to just to to get rid of Putin. Well, on that bridge, and, and perhaps the ferocity of the response right now, uh, that bridge wasn't destroyed; it was damaged. But that really is a crucial bridge in order to defend the Russian position in Crimea. And Putin clearly thinks Crimea itself may be threatened. There were uh, there was an attack on an ammunition dump there that went on and on. It triggered explosion after explosion after explosion. So there is a threat inside and to Crimea, which is essential uh, for Mr. Putin in his view. He can't afford to lose that without losing everything. So in in the response, he's saying he's ripping up this grain deal. But I think he was actually going to do that in any event, because any leverage, any pressure points he can bring to bear. uh, And again, with near impunity, uh, he's now saying, since you mentioned NATO, He's now saying that any ship that enters uh, that port could be considered carrying military weapons, and therefore the Russians can attack any flagged ship, no matter the flag it's carrying, if it goes into, uh, into the Black Sea. And Ukraine has just announced, well, we can say the same thing about Russian ships. So the possibility of a, a real tense buildup, and this could be a real test case for the West and for NATO. How are you going to handle the closing off of what it has been basically an international waterway under Turkey's protection. It's a long, complicated story. Turkey has a role to play here. China has a role to play here. But there's a buildup of, of possibilities. You know, why not escort those ships out with NATO ships? 
and and uh, will will Russia then attack them? So a flashpoint is building up over this. But right now we have to remind ourselves it's a humanitarian crisis as well. Well, exactly, and and. You know, it's not unlike what China's doing, of course, with uh, the, South, the South China Sea and the South Pacific as well. Uh, as you've mentioned, uh, the, the commonality here was that these were supposed to be international waters. Uh, and Putin is saying, no, that, that's ours. That's 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 our area. It's not yours. It's not for them to. They can go through there with our permission. And we're not giving you that permission. Uh, at some point, NATO has to respond. Well, NATO has made it clear they will defend every inch of NATO territory. <laughs> uh but uh, they're not going to put boots on the ground. And as you and I have talked about many times, they're not going to put boots on the ground in Ukraine. Ukraine is fighting this war alone with the international support that it does have, which is extensive, but short of the kind of weapons it needs in order to make the dramatic breakthrough to really begin to drive Russia out of Ukraine. Uh, they don't have the wherewithal to do that at the moment. We hear stories about uh, the strategy here by uh, Ukraine is starve, stretch and strike. They're trying to starve out the supply, the command and uh, coordination. They're trying to disrupt behind enemy lines. They're trying to, to uh, disrupt the resupply of troops to starve them out. Then they want to stretch them out all along that very long border. And then when they find a weak spot, they'll strike. And that's what's going on right now. And, and on the ground, I mean, we've, we, you know, we've talked about, you know, the Ukraine's advances and they've retaken a, a, a fair bit of territory. Uh, that they had lost earlier in the war, uh, that seems to be page two now. It's not on the front page. Is that is that starting to 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 die off, or are they still being effective? Huh. Well, the key gamble by Mr. Putin right now is that there will be Ukraine fatigue, war fatigue, and it will fade to you know page two and that out of consciousness, and then he can slowly dismember NATO. Uh, taking advantage of the internal contradictions and that and he's and he has the means uh, to help enhance dissension across Europe and within NATO. We know that they've got cyber and misinformation and so forth. So the the big gamble right now is will our patience and our ability to suffer out uh, outlast his? So he's saying, no, well, I'll just hang in here and you'll get tired of it and we'll win this war because of war fatigue. What just happened at NATO, uh, as we know, was a G7 separate communique, but under G7's name, auspices, saying, no, we have a long-term commitment. We, the G7, have a long-term commitment, all of us being NATO members, uh, to Ukraine. You will not outlast us, Mr. Putin. If you're gambling that war fatigue is going to win the war for you, it won't. Elliot Tepper, uh, as always, Elliot, thank you so much for this. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll talk again soon. Oh, thank you, Bill. Elliot Tepper, of course, uh, from Carleton University, who's been studying uh, this uh, for the longest time. And it, it's awfully frustrating. You know, the, you, you get some communiques that the, the Ukrainians seem to be making advances with their counteroffensive. And, and then, of course, uh, it's, it's, it's the air. I mean, it's the missiles and it's the, it's the air war uh, where Russia continues to dominate. And I, 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 our hearts go out, of course, to the people in these cities that are wondering just, uh, you know, whether the next missile is going to land. Uh, it's it's incomprehensible for us on on this side of the ocean to actually you know know that that's going on in cities that uh, friends and relatives are living in, but it is on a daily basis. Uh, and we're going to follow up on those stories too in, in the uh, days ahead on this program. The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from nine to noon on nine hundred CHML.